Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by HashtagBasketball.com, your home for the very best fantasy tools and analysis on the entire internet. Go check them out already. HashtagBasketball.com. I am your host, Mike Katrin, and joining me, not as always, because, uh, you know, both of us have been kind of under the weather in the last few weeks. So we had to run, I had to run a solo one, and I uh, I got a lot of feedback on the solo episode, Tyler. And people are demanding more Tyler P. Watts. What's up, Tyler? Oh, I don't think that's real. I don't think that's true. Uh, you didn't want me on last week anyways, because you would not have been able to hear me. I sounded like I was on death's door, but I have recovered. Um, I'm feeling better, so that's that's all good news. Well, if anyone listened to that uh, podcast last week, which I assume you probably did if you're listening to this one, uh, they kind of saw how the sausage was made when I was going to bring up a player, and uh, instead of being prepared, which uh, you know sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not, I'm searching for the player, and I have no one else to kick it off to talk about that player while I look up some stats that I want to talk about. So uh, I'm very glad to have you as the, you can uh, layer over the fact that I'm just clicking and searching and looking for a made-up stat that I think I know, but then I'm going to make sure that it's true. Um, So this will be a very, much better, in my opinion, preview for your Thanksgiving week five. Tyler, if you are in a league that um, respects the players within your league, chances are your season's about to be 25% over. Yeah, I mean, it comes fast, right? I mean, this is already week five, which is crazy. Um, There are technically 25 weeks. uh, Well, there's technically 24 weeks if you play all the way to April. Like, that's brutal. Don't do that, probably. Um, But there's probably 22 weeks in your league, so we're, you know... We're already more than a fifth of the way there. Uh, we're about to be a quarter of the way there very quickly. So, yeah, there's... How much are you believing anything you see, though, still? Like, uh, for example, De'Aaron Fox is leading the league in points scored. Are you are you believing that? He's averaging 32.2 points per game. Yeah, I... Once again, I, I think we we said this in the preseason. We said this as the season started. We said this uh, in week one and week two. This feels like an entire league in flux. This feels like a fantasy basketball season that is hard to predict. Um, and this is usually the time where you need to start making decisions in order to align yourself with either a good playoff run or getting to the playoffs. If you've started out poorly, you're dealing with injuries. Uh, I, I think someone I know had like half their team on the injured reserve last week. Uh, doesn't bode well for them to make the playoffs because some of those guys are going to be out for a while. Um, the problem is, I still feel like we're in that small sample size theater a lot longer than we usually are because I can't get a read on a lot of players, great players like Fox, um, mediocre players like Lou Dort. Uh, how do I feel about Chris Paul? I still don't know. How do I feel about Paulo Banchero? Uh, seems like he's good sometimes. Uh, 
it's been a really, really weird season. And I think you're just going to have to start making decisions in order to position yourself better, um, which is going to take more risk, right? And I think that's trying to see through that risk is, I guess, our job. I don't know. We'll see if we could do it. So we're usually pretty good at that, but I, this year I feel like we're in muddy, muddy water. Uh, cool. You want to play a, a fun, maybe not so fun game? Uh, of course. I love not so fun games. Those are my favorite. Stats to believe or not. So okay. we mentioned Aaron Fox leading the league in scoring. I would say that's a stat not to believe. I don't believe it. Okay. He is good and though. He is very good. He looks like he's taking a leap. He's shooting 38% from three. We've never seen him do that. The sample size is even smaller than pretty much, well, not anyone, because Devin Booker's only played four games, but most of the top guys, in the sense that he's only played six games, right? He is back now, which is good. I like that. Okay. Um, but I've got some other questions I want to ask you, because I think maybe these are more important league arching questions, okay? Okay. So the first one is how many players score 30 points a game? I will tell you last year there were six. How many players this season score 30 points a game? Yes. I mean, if last season was six, scoring feels like it's up-ish um, when I look at the box scores. I'm going to say, let's say six. Let's say they run, we run it back. Uh, right now, how many do you think there are? Um, less than six, four or five. Now, SGA is at twenty nine point eight, right? Jokic is at twenty nine point seven. Evan Booker twenty nine and a half. Um, okay, they're right there. I would say I would say there's going to be more. There mm-hmm. are ten guys all over twenty nine right now. That's crazy, right? So I would say now maybe De'Aaron Fox doesn't get there, right? I don't think we get the full 10, but I would not be surprised if we get, like, seven or eight. I would not be surprised if we get Embiid, Doncic, Durant, Curry, SGA, Jokic, maybe Booker, maybe Donovan Mitchell, maybe Jason Tatum. I mean, shit, maybe De'Aaron Fox, right? Like, he might be at least 30. Who knows? Because they are just allowing him to drive and shoot at will. He's shooting over 50%. Like, Feel it feels like it, that's what I'm saying. Like it doesn't feel real, but also he's 26. How is what he's doing is sustainable? I don't know that the three point shooting is. Is the three point shooting right? Like so, I mean, last year he made 1.6 threes. Now he is taking more attempts, but like even at two, right? That's 1.2 a game less, right? Which is like. The uh, the points that drops him below thirty. That's the points that you need. That yeah, and I you know this is obviously a sell high moment when you're leading the league in scoring and you're not known for that. Yeah, probably a good sell high moment. Yeah. Now I think there's other ones here though too. Like how many people over average over eight assists a game? How many do you think did last year? We'll start with that. Oh okay. Well, that's like a much rarer stat. So I'm gonna say like four people. Nine did last year. What? Luca, Morant. Okay, I I lied. Let's let's go with let's uh, go with eight because Skylar Miles for some reason who only played six games averaged eight point three assists. But we won't count but that. That was that was a six six game though. Right, but so we'll throw that out. So there were eight: John Morant, Luca, Lamelo Ball, Chris Paul, Jokic, Trey Young, Halliburton, James Harden. All those make sense. 
So there's eight. How many do you think are doing it right now? Um. All right. Well, I'm going to go with the the pattern of being surprised. I'm going to say more. I'm going to say nine are doing it right now. Seven. And oh. there's no no one particularly close to being the eighth. Interesting. Uh, next... Well, now I've clicked it up here. Fred Van Fleet. That's a nice. Like we were talking about Fred Van Fleet early in the in the season. Houston is doing something different, and we kind of did say, "Hey, Fred Van Fleet could be the the benefactor of just being the best guy on this team and have to facilitate." Seems like that's what he's doing here. Yeah, and I would say all the other names aren't that surprising, right? Luca, Lamelo, Jokic, Booker. Booker's probably the most is... surprising. Booker, right? yeah, for sure. He's only played four games. You know, 10 assists uh, per game over four games is exactly kind of, uh, once again, what you said preseason. He's going to have to do in order to be a top, potentially the top player in the league, or at least a top five, top eight player, which he is. He's ranked sixth right now, and that's with no steals. And there's probably uh, at least close to a steal a game coming. Uh, He's averaging 0.3 right now, so... Uh, yeah, that's obviously per game value. Um, I would say this one, I don't even know that we end up with seven. So what does that tell you moving forward for fantasy? Those guys that are getting them, Halliburton, Trey Young, Booker, Luka, LaMelo, Jokic, like all those guys are even that much more valuable because there's a big difference between even seven assists and eight assists, right? Like that's a huge difference. I think what you're leading to, right? is this is the edge that you need to understand in order to make proper decisions moving forward with your season. If your team, if you have one of these players, well, value them, right? If you don't have one of these players and you need to say, hey, you know what, my team is lacking in assists, you can get rid of some of your assist guys who are mediocre or one of these top players because they are exponentially better than the average player. Yeah, like, if you could trade your... Hmm, who's a point guard with middling assists? Uh, your Mike Conley, right? If you could package sure. your five Mike Conley assists with someone like... Hmm, I don't know who's good but not great, right? And get someone like Fred Van Vliet. That could be massive for you. Right, like if you could go from like five with even with someone like two, so you're only gaining really one more assist a game, right? But you're also gonna add someone off the waiver wire, and not only that, but like you're going from Mike Conley to like Fred Van Vliet, like those three assists a game you're getting from your point guard are just massive, right? Like that's just so like, especially with not that many guys, like assists are very concentrated on those top guys. It seems like, and that's an easy way to take advantage. Yeah, if you had like a DeJounte Murray or a Darius Garland, somewhere in that middle range, and you could go get Fred Van Fleet and another player. Oh, that's that's sounding really nice. Uh, maybe you have Dame, and you're like, Dame is good, but he's also struggling to shoot, blah, blah, blah. That will come back. Um, I'm not worried about that. But Dame for Trey does not, I, I don't, like, on the face value, I would not trade Dame for Trey Young. But... 11 assists a game for Trey Young is absolutely significantly better than what you're going to get out of Dame this year with him being in Milwaukee. So these are things, whether like on face value, one-to-one, they don't sound like good trades. 
But if you're already great at what um, aim does already, if you're already good at points, your threes are fine. Uh, your free throws are fine, right? Uh, well, Trey Young does all of those things as well, but then gets you way more assists, like significantly more assists. Even though in face value one to one, a lot of people might not want to make that trade. If you have, if you're you got Trey and someone's offered you Dame. You almost have to pull the trigger on that. Yeah, and I mean, you're talking maybe going from six assists or maybe even seven to 11, right? That's four assists a game. That's a whole nother starting point guard. Yes. That is that is like uh, adding DeMar DeRozan and <laughs> a dame to your team. Yeah, like it's just crazy. All right, so this one's fun. Okay. How many okay. players average over two steals a game this year, do you think? Do you know how many did it last year? Minimum 30 mm. games played. Minimum 30 games played, two steals. Let's say like I'm gonna say like five. Absolute zero. Whoa! OG Ananobi led the league with a minimum of 30 games played at 1.9 steals a game. You're absolutely right. There's a about one, two, three, four, about four players who were in that 1.8, 1.9 range last season, including Fred VanVleet, whose steals are nowhere near 1.8 this season. Which, uh, at this point, you got to go. Well, steals are a little volatile. Does that number come back up for Fred VanVleet? Are we? Are you buying low on Fred VanVleet right now? Because if he gets those steals back up to 1.4. 1.5 you're now you're talking about a very elite player who's getting you assists uh and is running the houston offense right i've already looked uh, at how how many players have two steals I, I just clicked on it it's a lot yeah and but this is a, a broader point i want to make right so the number is uh eight right now eight guys are averaging at least two steals a game that's crazy steals are very volatile in this sense right like you have guys like getting five, six steal games, and then they don't get a steal for you know two or three games, and then like very few guys like get a steal every single game or get two steals every single game. Like they get a couple, they don't, right? They have like a stretch where they get a steal for five games in a row, and then they go three or four games where they don't get a steal. And I feel like even early in the season, I've seen a lot of like, it's like, did I just see seven steals? Is that a four steal game from a guy that? Does it get good steal? Like, very confusing steal numbers, which this is bearing out um, accurately. Like, it's like, oh, there's a lot of steals going around. Is that a symptom of a different style of playing? Is it a symptom of small sample size theater? Or is it a symptom of it's early in the season and things tighten up later in the season as things get more serious? Here's the crazier stat, even than, that, than, what, than what I just said, Okay. The top okay. five in steals last year. You ready for this? Yeah. OG Ananobi, Jimmy Butler, Fred Van Vliet, Shea Gilles Alexander, okay? Yeah. And DeAnthony Melton, Anthony Edwards were all kind of tied right there, okay? okay? So whoever, just go with the top four. OG Ananobi, what steals is he averaging? Do you know? Uh, not well, because uh, I'm expecting him on some of my teams to get more than he's getting. I think he's, like, below 1.5. 1.3. So he led the league last year. Jimmy Butler, down to 1.4. Hmm. Right? Interesting. Fred Van Vliet, you mentioned it, 0. 0.6. Yes. I'm after close. being third in the league. 
And then Shea Gilgis is the one where he's averaging 2.6 and leading the league, right? So right. even with, like, the top guys, we're seeing a lot of volatility early on, right? Like, OG, Jimmy Butler, and Fred Van Vliet are not even in the top 20 in steals right now. Not even in the top 30. No. Okay. Jimmy Butler's 38th. Got... That is one. Those three. That's crazy. And you got guys like Caldwell Pope. Herb Jones, Jalen Suggs, getting tons of steals. Al Lowry, 1.5. More steals than Jimmy Butler. Yeah, what I think I'll say, though, is, like, I think we see this even out, right? Like, Paul George is a guy who gets a lot of steals. He's up there. He's always gets, he always gets a lot of steals. He was not in the leaderboard last year because he didn't play enough games. Um, but he's always up there. So I think we're going to see the steals kind of level out uh to go back to the norm so some of these guys that you don't expect to be up there are probably going to fall off as the season goes on some of the guys that you do are going to go up so like you mentioned it Fred Vliet is the perfect buy low candidate in a lot of ways right because like he's not averaging as many points and maybe he won't take quite as many shots in Houston but he's averaging great assists he's averaging terrible percentages which is good for you right because that lets you buy low he's not averaging the steals that everyone expects so like if you can buy Fred Van Vliet at a sharp discount, why would you not do it right now? Like, those steals are going to even out. Yeah. And he's 57. Maybe, yeah. I would 100% agree with Fred Van Vliet. Um, OG Nanomi, Jimmy Butler, like, both of them struggled. Like, it's easy to, it's very easy to go and look at field goal percentage and go, man, this guy's not shooting well. Um, he will, as usual, revert to the mean. We talk about that all the time here, and this is exactly what we're talking about here, is right now there's some unbalanced means. Um, things usually revert to the mean, right? But field goal is really easy to see because you can just see it. It's like a, it's a percent, it's literally a percentage. You're looking right at it. All these other stats, though, have the exact same logic behind them. And outside of someone like, okay, Scotty Barnes is taking a leap. I trust that Scotty Barnes ain't reverting back to the mean. I think this is this is who he is now. Like he's headed in a very positive direction. But is Miles Turner playing, you know, better than he normally is? Like, you know, is uh, you know, Herb Jones going to average two seals a game? I guess he could. Jalen Suggs I think with these like counting stats like steals and blocks, they weigh a lot on the overall value, the overall rankings that people who are playing on ESPN or Yahoo look at, right? They kind of disproportionately give weight to a player. So people see Jalen Suggs and they see that he's like in the top 70 and they go, damn, he's in the top 70. Well, he's in the top 70 because he's getting like 2.2 steals a game, but the rest of his game is okay. So that's another thing I think you can exploit with people in your league who don't maybe go this deep into the stats, look at, you know, the Z values and the, all the other different things in last year's stats and just go, hey, this guy's ranked pretty well. Um, you want to make a trade? Because in reality, he's ranked pretty well because he's getting good blocks or good steals that are out of proportion for his normal career. Well, here's the other thing, too, right? One good game sways it so much more, right? The best guy in the league in steals gets two a game, right? We just mentioned it. Like, OG Ananobi had 1.9 last year. So if you had a four-steal game, like right now with only 10 games played, that's a lot of steals. 
And so your average is just way up, right? And you're not going to have any more Forge Steel games for the rest of the year, probably. So, like, it's just because the numbers are smaller that they're easily, like, they're, they're skewed more easily, right? We'll talk about the same thing with blocks. How many people averaged one and a half blocks a game last year, Mike? Do you know? One and a half? I think it was quite a few. Um, I'm going to say, like, 12. 11. So you were pretty close, oh, right? Pretty close. How many are averaging it right now? A lot more. Blocks are like way up. Another weird, like, like I said, weird season, weird vibes. Um, it feels like there are so many blocks and steals going on because every night I go look at different people's scores or even people who are playing against me, and I'm like, how the hell did that dude get seven blocks? Like, what, what the hell is going on here? Um, I think it's like twenty. Twenty-one. You were that Ooh. was this was your best category. Uh, yeah and again i think it's a lot of it's early season so people have the legs to go out there and go like all right i'm gonna try to block a bunch of stuff right that helps uh adding in two guys like chat and victor Wemanyama helps right like 2. Well, yeah. and 2.2 blocks a game like there's i mean like uh, Isaiah Jackson's another guy, a 21-year-old, like, averaging a lot of blocks. Asar Thompson's up there in blocks. Like, all these young guys are helping it because they have the legs to, you know, block the shots, right? They they want to do it. Um, but I think we're going to see these numbers drop off quite a bit for a lot of these guys, right? And so there's going to be probably at the end of the season, how many would you say averaging one and a half blocks? I don't think it's going to be 21. Probably going to no. be closer to 12. 11, 10. 12, yeah. Probably in that range. And so again, like, I would say it works both ways for me right now, especially with, like, crazy steal and block numbers. Like, if you're counting on someone for steals, and you're like, okay, I don't think they can keep up these two steals a game. I think they're going to be closer to one. Maybe you make a trade for a guy who doesn't have many steals. Right? Same thing with blocks. Is Anthony Davis going to block three and a half shots a game? Is Nick Claxton going to block three? No. Now could be your chance to trade someone like Nick Claxton for insert center here who's not really blocking a lot of shots. Yeah. Maybe uh, maybe you package Anthony – maybe not Anthony Davis. I don't think I would do that. But maybe you package and you go after a Scotty Barnes or a Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo has been playing well. He's going to be at 1.2 at the end of the season. Nick Claxton might be at 1.8. Yeah, that's a significant difference, like a, a, five, a 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6 difference. That is a significant difference. But, like, that's not the only category you give a shit, if you, that, that you give a shit about. Am out of bio is definitely a better overall fantasy player than Nick Claxton. Also with blocks, too, I think, like, those guys averaging three, like, at some point you're just not getting the the bang for your buck at, like, three blocks a game. You know what I mean? Because you're winning that, like, especially if you have, like, two of those guys, you're winning that category every single week. And so, like, there are some diminishing returns in, like, the stuff you're not getting. A uh, guy that I would be yeah. interested in trading for is Jakob Podol. Career 1.2 blocks a game guy, only averaging .8 so far. Like, that's a guy you probably could find get on the cheap it might be on the waiver wire for god's sakes uh in some leagues i th- i think a lot of those boring old centers like balachunas um podal uh zubach he that people don't like they just go eh these guys are fucking boring i want 
Nick Claxton. I want um, Walker Kessler. And it's like, the young guys, like, the old guys are doing exactly what those guys are doing. They're just a little um, less flashy of a name. And maybe their minutes are down a little bit. But They've Valanchunas, just existed. They've yeah. existed for longer. Yeah, but, like, I'm looking at Valanchunas right now. 13 and 8 with 1.6 uh, blocks. That's uh, that's pretty good. Zubac, 10 points, 8 rebounds, 7. Uh, 1.7 blocks. Nick Claxton, 10 points, 8 rebounds, 3 blocks. That's a lot like <laughs> Zubac. If everything, like you're saying, reverts back to the mean, what's the difference between Zubac and Nick Claxton? Not a whole lot. Well, and we were talking about this in the preseason. Like, why were some of these guys going, like, 40, 50, when I'm like... Zubac is there at 110. Just go pick him. Exactly. Now, I feel like the exceptions to this rule um, were two guys that we said could be exceptions to every rule. Um, Women Yamba and Chet Holgren. I, I don't... This is... A, I've never... We've never seen anything like these dudes. Um, especially Wimby. Do players eventually adjust to the fact that women Yama can block your shot basically anywhere on the court at any time. So they're much more aware that they can't like get their shot off when he's closing out on you and they make a better pass or they, they start like understanding his game better and his blocks go down. Or is he just a monster and like legitimately could average three blocks a game? Uh, I think in some ways both things you said are true, in a weird way. So I'll I'll try to explain. Yeah, explain yourself on that one. I think the at the beginning of your career, people want to challenge you, right? They want to be like, oh, you know, why is this guy such a hype prospect? He ain't that good, all that stuff, right? So they do challenge you. So therefore, you get more blocks because you are really good, and you can prove to them, like, hey, I'm gonna block that if you try to take it at me. You know what I mean? You you know, all these players are trying to learn. It's probably, I mean, they never played against anyone like this. And they've also never played against this individual. They're like, oh, I could do all this shit. These dudes, these guys are weak-ass rookies doing this shit. And then one Nyaba eats them for breakfast and they go, all right, yeah, you got to respect him like you respect Anthony Davis. Like, you got to respect him like you respect... Uh, anyone else who's a great rim blocker, like I mean, Rudy Gobert's having a really nice uh, return to form. I also, though, think there will be games where he gets the crazy amount to keep him up at three by just doing things that nobody can do, right? Like, because you're never not going to be surprised when someone can do something nobody else can do, right? Like, true. Like, like think about like Michael Jordan, right? Like, when he would put on a performance where you're like, yeah, nobody else in the world can do that. People were still surprised by it, even circa 1998 when he had won five championships and all that, right? Yeah. I think, and even, like, in the Wizards days, right? It's like, how is this 30-whatever-year-old guy dropping this on her head? LeBron, he drops, like, has a crazy 30- or 35-point game, and everyone's like, how's a 38-year-old guy doing this, right? Yeah, how is he doing, like, a 28 triple point triple double i mean jordan was averaging like 20 some points a game and he was like 40 some years old so like you get used to it right but but again like it's still like crazy and so i i think that wimben yama and, and chet Holmgren have that right where like 
yes, they're still going to block a lot of crazy shots because other guys are going to be like, there's no way Ted Holmgren or there's no way Victor Wanyama can block this. Oh, crap, he blocked it. Yeah, I think they're wild outliers. And not only that, Wanyama is shooting 43% from the field, 78% from the line. And every time I think about or watch Wimby, or th- just even think, I think I just lay up awake at night in my bed thinking about Wimby and his big long arms and legs. He could be way, he could be way better. Like he's 19. He's really this good. He could be way better, like significantly better, which is an insane thing to say about a guy who's averaging 29 uh, with a steal and 2.6 blocks a game. Imagine this. I'm just going to give you an imagine this, and it's going to be fast, and you're gonna, it, it might blow your mind already. Imagine them having a point guard and a wing that can shoot. That would be nuts. Sochin's so not right? a point guard. Actually, I'm a fan of his, but, you know. The, he could be a very in- interesting player in the future uh, as well. But uh, a real true point guard, man, he'd be unstoppable. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. And then, like, just a little bit more spacing. Like, even if you're saying, okay, Sochan can make plays better than, you know, this player or that player or whatever, like, they just don't have a lot of floor spacing, especially with Vassal out now. Like, Kelton Johnson's not really a shooter. Sochan's definitely not a shooter. Zach Collins isn't a shooter. So, like, there's not a lot of room for Wimby to operate at any given moment, right? So, like, now imagine them getting a point guard who can set him up and some sh- enough floor spacing to for the defense to respect the shooters. Uh, that's scary. He might be like twenty five points a game next season. It's absolutely frightening. I think if you're in a dynasty league, uh, just sell the sell the farm. If you if you think you're gonna get maybe you know limp into the playoffs, just sell your whole damn team for Wimby. Um, just give give up your your best two players for Wimby and just go, or best three players for Wimby and go. Guess what? We're rebuilding around this guy who's going to be the best player in, in the league. Uh, and fantasy wise, he might be a first round player in the next two years. Yeah, I mean, if he gets up to twenty five a game on f- even like he doesn't have to be like Jokic level of efficiency either. Like if no. he's just like fifty percent from the field and you know, 75% from the line or, you know, I like, I'm, I'm not saying he's got to be 80, like even where he's at right now, if he's 50 and 77 with two threes, 25 points, 10 rebounds, four assists, 1.2 steals and two and a half blocks. Isn't that the best player in the league? We, we absolutely never gush about rookies like this. We almost always say, don't believe the hype. Um, even with Wimby, we're like second round, man. That's that's a very expensive price to pay for someone you've never really seen play against NBA talent. He could be a, for once. We were like, he could be a second round talent. Do you want to pay full price for someone you don't know? If at the best case scenario, is a second round talent, like, or do you want like Devin Booker? Like, Devin Booker is actually good, and he has room for improvement, right? And you've seen Devin Booker do those things. This is the risk-reward, and people who took a, a risk on Wimby, I mean, they did it. And, and this rookie class, 
it's quite impressive. Like, Asar Thompson is giving me, like, Karolinko vibes out there. Like, he's... Enjoy it. That's all I'll say. Because, by all accounts, next year's class is one of the weakest we've seen in a while. And there may be... We talked about this class maybe having multiple guys that would go first mm-hmm. overall in uh, drafts. There's a lot of people that will say, like, there's nobody that would go in the top, like, three, maybe even top five in a normal draft. Yeah, though, you know, trade those draft picks away in those dynasty leagues as well. Um, I think we do have to talk about um, a concern that we have. You brought up before we started uh, recording, Tyler, is that concern is in the beautiful, lovely city of Memphis. The Grizzlies are bad, and Marcus Smart is out now for what a while like almost a month yeah uh so what did we say three to five weeks right is that what i heard yeah yeah sprained ankle out three to five weeks as of november 18th so uh yeah that puts him back what christmas time ish not great not uh not good and when it comes to like you know as we always say like there's got to be like if someone goes out there is opportunity for someone to step in but this team is depleted right in the in the game the other night they i mean they started bismack miambo they, they started jacob gillard like Oh boy. Um Zaire Williams had a nice game. Is that sustainable? Aldama played 35 minutes at 17 and 10 with a block. Are you picking up anyone on Memphis to roster? Not to stream, to roster for the next No, Zaire weeks? Williams, who who had the best game here, got benched. On a yeah. bad team, he got benched. Crazy. The, I, I said this to you before the th- pod and I, th- I think this is true uh they have two nba rotation players on a playoff team right now healthy and are playing right obviously john morant uh saturday was their 12th game sunday is their 13th game so john morant's suspended for the first 25 games so 12 games to go right? yeah that's a long time we're already uh 25 percent the way through your regular season uh, right. We're going to be fifty percent through your regular season before Ja Morant ever plays. You really, really, really should consider trying to get rid of John Morant. If you even, I know you've stashed him. I know it's a sell low, but this is one of the few times I think I would recommend a sell low because Ja Morant's name still has value. Uh, if now, granted, they have a plan. Memphis could still be vying for the plan in the second half of the season, but if they're not. How many of the games that John Morant can play in will he? They have if they have even ten wins when John Morant comes back, they have a chance. That's fair, and right? they could have, they could have ten wins. Maybe but, they have three but, right now. That's what I'm saying. They'd have to win seven out of twelve. It's a bloodbath out there. It's the it's the damn West. It's an absolute bloodbath. The Suns are six and six. The Warriors are six and eight. Yeah, and They're... that's gonna be 
the other thing going against them in this that most people won't talk about is like not only are they going to have to play very well, they're gonna have to jump a lot of teams. Yeah, they're that's gonna have not to play better than to the do. Clippers, who are currently not in the play-in. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm saying. Is like not only do you have to like, oh, I gotta take care of my own business, but I gotta hope some of these other teams falter. And like, okay, maybe you're still on the bandwagon because I kind of am that the Rockets aren't real, right? They're they're gonna fall off. Okay, maybe they do, right? Sure. Maybe the Pelicans get injured and fall off. Okay, great. So then you're looking for two teams to step up in that top ten. Okay, maybe the Grizzlies sneak in there in tenth. Then you got to win two straight one-off games against the Thunder, the Kings, the Lakers, the Suns, the Warriors. Like one of those teams, maybe Dallas. Right? Like there's not going to be any easy games there. And so to even bank on like being in that nine ten game, like oh we're going to push so hard for it. Like I don't even know if that's worth it. Like, yeah, what are the, the odds point? of you? you, you you win, you be, you actually win the play-in game, and then you go play uh, Jokic. Cool. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, what? Right. Like, what are you like? Uh, and I think Memphis, they did a great job drafting. Right? They got, uh, they got Desmond Bain at the 30th pick. Right? They got Jaron Jackson Jr. Right? They, they, but like their last picks have not worked out. And so I think the best thing for them right now, whether they want to believe it or not, is to have a lottery pick. Right? Like, if they're in the top 10, even in a bad draft, if they get a good player, right? Yeah, and it's, I mean, and they always say, ooh, this this draft doesn't look very good, and then, like, six, like, really good NBA players come out of it, and you're like, oh, yeah, no, actually, that draft was better than we thought. Well, that's, so the thing is, like, when they say, like, oh, there's no one that would go in the top five, right? They're not projecting anyone to be, like, a surefire all-star. Right, like there's no there's no Victor Wembanyama, there's no Scoot Henderson, there's no like no player like that. But there's always talent in every draft class, right? Like yeah. how many how many all stars were? All-stars? Yeah, yeah. How, how many all stars were surefire all stars in the draft? How many? Right, <laughs> very few. Ah, uh, well, I mean, there's a few. You know the lowest well, yeah, amount of the obvious ones in any draft. Do you know the answer to this question? I do not. I uh, I have no idea. I would wa- I'd wager it's something recent because like that's how that works. But maybe, um, who the Lowry marketing draft? The, the two thousand NBA draft class is considered by many to be the worst in history, with just three oh, all stars. Three all stars were them. Jamal McGlure. Ooh, he was good. Man, Michael Red. Shout out Michael Red and Kenyon Martin. Michael Red, this is like I I like to play this game every once in a while. It's like, how good are these old players? And usually, uh, I'm talking about like way way back in the day, like um, you know, so like Bill Bill Russell today. Could he play in today's game? I I think so, probably. I think if you're trans as transcendent as any of those guys, Bill Russell, any of yeah. those guys, I think you'd figure it out. You'd adapt, right? Like With, as you're Brad- coming up. Brad Miller playing today's game. Like, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, and you would doubt those guys were absolutely transcendent. But, like, is in in 1980, would Michael Porter Jr. be, like, the third best player in the league? Ooh, no. I think he might be worse because nobody shot. Yeah, that's true. And you could literally uh, break a dude's legs during a shot, and they'd be like, play on, that's fine. Yeah, and like 
Michael Porter Jr. is not one of those guys that's like gonna crazy get to the basket, right? So like, yeah, I actually think some guys like Michael Porter Jr. would be like they probably wouldn't even like make the league in some ways in this respect, right? Like he'd be out there like shooting, and everyone would be like, "Well, that's cool," but our offense, you know, we run the triangle and we do, you know, this and that. Yeah, we're like, super boring. What are we gonna use you for? <laughs> Yeah, my my whole point was Michael Red today would be like just like a good three point shooter, and everybody would go, yeah, that's cool. But back in the day when he was just like lacing threes, Michael Red was like, damn, you gotta get Michael Red on your team, man. You get, you're gonna win threes with Michael Red alone. Oh, I think Michael Red would still be a bucket in today's NBA. I actually think he might be yeah, better. He, he, I think he'd be better. Be easier Absolutely. to run the score. Yeah, hundred percent. Because you know, less hand checking and um, the offenses are built around perimeter shooters now. Yeah, I think it would be better. I'm all on that. Anyway, uh, as it, going down uh, memory lane of uh, fantasy basketball, if you're in a league that's playing uh, uh, some sort of like time machine and or historic fantasy basketball, please let us know. We can give you advice on Michael Red, um, Richard Lewis. He was very good. Um, Turkaloo, very also a very good fancy player back in the day. Brad Miller won me a lot of leagues. In today's age, Memphis Grizzlies fantasy value is it plummeting off the face of the earth. I I don't have faith in any of them being long term rest of the year as good as they are. Like the the two guys, Jaron Jackson and, and Bain, as good as they are now, they'll probably play that well. But are they gonna shut that team down? Maybe. Potentially. Will John Moran ever come I back? I don't know. Like, I'm worried about it. Yeah, I don't know if they shut the team down. I guess my big worry is just, like, what is their record by the time Ja gets back? And then, you know, okay, we let Ja play for a while. I don't... How good is this team with Ja? Okay, I get you're going to say Marcus Smart's going to be back relatively the same time as Ja, which... Okay, great. Then they have four NBA players. They still don't have a center. They're going to play Bismack Biombo 30 minutes a game for the entire season? Great. That's going to work well. Yeah, that doesn't bode well. At and then they have all. no bench. Like, like, who's their best bench player? Uh, uh, all the votes? Maybe? Yeah, exactly. Do you know how many minutes per game he averaged last season? Seven? It was not a lot, right? And... It's- He's 22, so, like, okay, yeah, he's getting better. But, like, he literally averaged 21 minutes a game last year and averaged 9 points, 5 rebounds, and 1.3 assists, 0.6 steals, 0.6 blocks. Like, he's fine, but, like, that's your sixth man. That's your sixth best player. And it's actually your fifth because he's better than Biombo, probably. I I can't like, agree more. Like, it's, it's, it's just a team that's... At least you can see that they have no path forward where like you could also see that the bulls have no path forward and we're still just chugging along on the train. You can see that the Memphis Grizzlies are in a, in, in a struggle position, but there is a way out, right? It might not be this year, but there is a way out and a smart franchise would lean into that way out instead of seeing if they can, you know, paddle up, upriver uh, against the stream uh, it, it, they're they're they've they're unlucky uh you know with like even adams and they kind of don't have the team that they had when they were considered like 
playoff certainty, right? They got to figure that out. And this ain't the year to figure that out because Jaws out 25 games, Stephen Adams the rest of the, out the rest of the year. Yeah, I just don't think it gets better. And, like, you could say, okay, they have draft capital, they can make a trade. But, like, if, even if they trade for a center, they have enough depth. Like, who are they going to trade? Like, are they just going to trade strictly draft picks? Like, you got to have matching salary in there somewhere. Yeah, I don't think it's going to work out this season for the Memphis Grizzlies. And that usually creates an opening, like we're saying. But a lot of these dudes on the bench aren't that good. They're probably mostly streamers on Memphis. And it just goes to show what we think is going on in the preseason and what we even what we see at the beginning of the season can shift drastically as the season progresses along. I mean, we saw that Memphis might not be very good. And we said, you know, anyone who's out 25 games, that's a lot of games. So I think it's a sell here. Maybe they don't completely tank because anybody can sneak into that 10 spot in the West. But I don't know. I think just the Grizzlies are a sell and their bench is a streaming at best. Even the guys who are starting now streaming at best. So we're already in week five. We are going to see a lot of different things happen over the course of the next few weeks that are going to shape the rest of your fantasy basketball season. You got to prepare for the future right now. If your team is not looking like a playoff team, now's the time to make some changes. If your team is looking like a playoff team, now is the time to prepare for the playoffs. It might seem early, but it's really not. It's really not that early, and Tyler and I will be here to help guide you along the way. If you have any questions, things you want us to talk about on the podcast, you can hit us up on Twitter. You can find me at Watch the Boxes. You can find Tyler at Tyler P. Watts, W-A-T-T-S, and we will see you next time.